The Gospel according to Matthew. We are moving right along. We've got a couple of more weeks. We're going to carry this through Easter Sunday. So um, uh, just a few more weeks. Easter is just around the corner. Oh, also, I think it's in your bulletin, but check out the uh, Easter egg hunt that's coming up. Um, and, uh, and reach out to your friends and neighbors and who have kids and, and invite them to come. There's going to be um, some, a lunch served, and I think it's from 10 to 12 or something like that. Uh, but uh, think about people who you know that you could invite to come to the Easter egg hunt just around the corner. All right, we're in uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 through 30. Oh, also welcome to Facebook, all of you, all of you who are watching. Nothing to fear, Matthew 19, 16 through 30. Uh, recently, or this past Thursday, uh, several of us went to a, a Carolina Hurricanes game. Uh, w- the Hurricanes lost, but I tell you what, it was one of the most exciting games I've ever been to, even, even though my team lost. Um, uh, you know, it was, it was the best loss I've ever been to. Uh, I mean, it had everything. It had, uh, it had excitement. It was tied pretty much back and forth the whole way. Um, it went into overtime and, and, and a shootout, and we finally lost on the shootout. But lots of folks, thousands and thousands of people at PNC Arena there. Um, and I, I was just thinking, if you could mingle among a crowd at a Carolina Hurricanes game, I don't know when you'd talk to them, maybe during the, between the periods or at the end of the game. Uh, but if you could somehow mingle among the crowd and just talk to some people, maybe people you were sitting beside uh, between the, the periods, or maybe if you were sitting at a Starbucks, uh, which is a little bit easier to sit and talk with people around you, uh, and just ask uh, uh, people this question. What do you think it's necessary for you to go to heaven? What's necessary for you to go to heaven when you die? Um, Depending on the crowd, you'd probably get a few different responses from that, right? Now, if you were to go to Mid-Atlantic Christian University, uh, where Jackie and I went a couple of weeks ago for their alumni uh, uh, event, and ask people there, what, what, do you, what must you do to inherit eternal life or to go to heaven? Uh, there, you'd probably get similar answers. You know, faith in Jesus would be the basic answer you'd get at at a place like Mid-Atlantic Christian University. Uh, But at a hockey game (laughs) or at Starbucks, uh, well, you might get, I'm sure there's Christians that go to the hockey games. You know, I know there are. Um, There might be uh, some Christians sitting around in Starbucks, and they might would say, well, faith in Jesus. Um, You'd probably get a lot of, well, you need to be a good person. Uh, you know, don't lie, don't steal, don't murder, uh, you know, those kind of things. Uh, let your good outweigh your bad, and, you know, that, that's how you get to heaven. It's always interesting to, to hear people begin the, their answer to a question like that with, well, I think the way you get to heaven is, you know, I think... It's scary to think that some people uh, in this world base their eternal fate to, uh, to, to ideas and beliefs that aren't based on anything but something that they conjured up in their own mind. Uh, you know, I've thought about it a lot, and I think, ask a hundred different non-Christians, how do you get to heaven? And you get a hundred different ideas. Most of them centering around the idea of, of being good, letting your good outweigh your bad. 
Well, interestingly, this same scenario happened during Jesus' ministry, except rather than Jesus asking the question at Starbucks, uh, someone came to him and asked that question. Let's read Matthew chapter uh, 19, verse 16 through 22. Just then a man came up, came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Well, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he required, inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, all these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The man asked Jesus, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, unlike the Pharisees, the Pharisees were a sect of Jews who, who were, were strict followers of the law, the Old Testament law. Um, the Pharisees often asked Jesus questions, uh, but their questions were often meant to trap him in some way, to say him the wrong thing. Um, but this man, unlike the Pharisees, seemed to be very sincere about what Jesus thought about this. Uh, in fact, the Mark's gospel tells us that this man runs up to Jesus and falls on his knees when he asks him this question. You would never see a Pharisee do that to Jesus. This man is wealthy, we, we learn at, at the end of the story. Jesus knows this man's heart, and he sets out to lead him to the answer to his question. First, Jesus wants to make, make it clear who is truly good. The man wanted to know what good thing must I do. And so Jesus wants to, to, to help him understand there's only one good person or good being in all of creation. If, if good is, the, is what we're looking for here, there's only one good thing. That's God. And, and here Jesus wants to establish the fact that that only God is truly good, that kind of good that would give you eternal life. Uh, this is going to be important as this conversation unfolds. Jesus then tells him, if you want to have life, eternal life, the answer is easy. Just follow the commandments. The Old Testament law, just, just follow the commandments. Well, the, the man says, okay, well, wh which ones? Is, is there any particular commandment that I need to focus on. <laughs> Jesus lists a few. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. He lists a few of them. Not all of them, but a few of them. Now here, this man must have gotten a little bit excited. His, his knee jerk must have been, wait a minute. He's like, I'm good with those. I'm good with those. Now, I look back in my life, I've I, I basically followed all of those. Uh, I'm not perfect at them. I'm sure, he, I'm sure this man probably told a, 
an untruth or two in his life. Um, but overall, at first, he felt pretty good about how he had mostly kept the commandments of the Old Testament that Jesus listed. Now, for most Jews uh, of that day, uh, especially among the Pharisees, um, this would have satisfied them. Okay, well, I'm good then. You know, like Paul, when Paul, who was a Christian, the Apostle Paul, when he looked back at his life before he was a Christian, when he was a Pharisee and a practicing Jew, uh, he said of himself in Philippians 3, verse 6, uh, uh, as for legalistic righteousness, I was faultless back then. You know, I thought of myself as faultless. I, I followed all the laws in the Bible, and, and I felt pretty good about myself. Many of the Pharisees that hounded Jesus all the time would have held their chest out when Jesus gave that first answer and said, well, I'm good, I'm good. The Jews believed that their salvation depended on their good behavior, their ability to follow all the laws in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments. Many self-righteous Jews would have walked away from Jesus with confidence in their standing with God. <laughs> I guess I'm good. But not this young, wealthy Jewish man. Now, we, while he may have at first have thought, hey, I think I'm doing okay, according to that, a thought came to him immediately. Is there something more? Is there something I still lack, I wonder? Is that all there is to it? Is there anything more that I need to be concerned about other than just following these laws? Deep down, it seems this young man sensed that simply following the law wasn't enough to be saved, to inherit eternal life. There's got to be more to it than just that. So Jesus answers him. Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, and perfection is really what's required to inherit eternal life, uh, but not in the way the, the Jews thought about perfection. If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, I don't think this is what the man was expecting to hear, uh, or maybe it was what he was expecting to hear, but he was hoping not to hear. Because look at his reaction. Verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, why, why this reaction? Uh, walking away sad. Why, why did he react that way? Well, he had just heard the answer to his question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus gave him the, the Jewish answer, answer first follow the law, and then he gave him the real answer, or the complete answer. Give up your wealth, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Now, this is not what this young man wanted to hear, or hoping he wouldn't hear. And sadly, it was not something that this man was willing to do. As much as he loved God, uh, who... He had served, it looked like he's a man who had served God all of his life, had worked hard at following the, the, the rules. It, 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 
as much as he loved God, it looks like he loved his wealth more. Many have read this passage and wondered, what, what, huh, does this mean that i got to give up everything I have, all my stuff, everything, and give it to the poor? Is that what Jesus is saying to all of us? Does following Jesus mean giving up all my stuff, my money, everything? Well, not necessarily, not necessarily. Uh, Jesus didn't always give this answer to different people. For example, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, the wee little man that climbed up a tree, um, he was a tax collector, and uh, he cheated people as a tax collector. And when Jesus taught him, you know, the better way to live, uh, Zacchaeus volunteered to give part of his money back to those he had cheated. Not all of it, but part of it. Luke 19, 1 through 10 is that story. And Jesus was okay with that. Jesus didn't say to Zacchaeus, no, nah, nope, Zacchaeus, you got to give it all. No, Jesus was fine with him just giving the parts he had stolen from people back to them. Other examples like the servants in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, you know, they were told to invest their money and use it wisely. No discussion about giving it all away. So uh, that's... Why did Jesus require this of this man, this wealthy man? Jesus is introducing a great truth about salvation. What does it take to be saved, to inherit eternal life? Well, salvation is ours when we choose to follow Jesus above all other things. You know, every disciple is called to follow Jesus. That's what disciple means, follower. Here's the problem, though. Sometimes there are obstacles that stand between us and Jesus when it comes to trying to follow him. In other words, for many disciples, while we love Jesus very much, maybe, there's something in our lives that we love more than Jesus. For this man, it was money. He loved God, but he, he loved his money more than God. Uh, he dedicated much of his life to serving God. He did a decent job of following the rules, the, the Old Testament law. And, and in most Jewish minds, uh, that was enough. It was good enough. One of the appealing things about the Jewish system of that day, which was, had been perverted in many ways... Um, was that they believed you could serve God and still serve the world at the same time. And that was not a problem. Uh, as long as you went through the motions of keeping the law uh, and did all the proper um, uh, ritualistic things in your life, even if you didn't really mean it, <laughs> you were good. You were good as long as you went through the religious motions. You could love God and you could love money you could even love money more than God, and everything was okay. Jesus turns this perverted way of looking at the Jewish system on its head with this man. Yes, uh, he would agree. Obeying the law is very important. He, he was sincere when he told this man, obey the commandments. Uh, godly people, people that follow God, don't steal People that follow God don't tell untruths. 
They don't deceive. People that follow God don't cheat on their spouses. They don't murder people. Uh, they honor, they love their neighbor. Godly people honor their parents. Life for everyone is better when we obey God's commandments, right? Even people who aren't religious, who obey God's commandments, life is better, isn't it? There's less chaos. There's, there's more order. There's more peace when people follow God's commandments. But obeying the Ten Commandments doesn't save us, doesn't give us eternal life. Salvation is not a reward for being good. Salvation is a relationship with Jesus. Living a godly life is important. Uh, but he, here's what's even more important than living a godly life. God must be the most important love of our life. So much so that we would be willing to give up anything to serve him. You know, money was the obstacle that stood between this man and Jesus. Uh, for, for us, it, it, it might be something else that stands between us and, and Jesus. It might be a love for leisure. I just, I just love taking it easy and going places to enjoy leisure. Uh, it may be a love of family. Family's important, right? But, but maybe a love for family is even more important than a love for Christ. Maybe it's a love for our job or, our, or a hobby that we enjoy or, or our reputation, how people think of us. Maybe it's just our love for ourselves that stands between us and our love for God. Many Christians are willing to follow a few laws. Yeah, I can do that. I, 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 can, I can cut back on my swearing. I can, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can watch my French. Um, I, I can keep from lying, except for maybe I can keep my lying down to just those little white ones. You know, I, 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 can, I might shop, window shop, but I would never treat, cheat on my wife. I would never go that far. I'll go to church. Uh, some when I can, and, and, I, and while I'm there, I might even drop a few dollars in the collection plate. I can do that. I can do those things. That's not a problem, as long as I don't have to give up the things that I really love. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that all of us who are followers of Jesus are a part of his body. We are a part of the body of Christ, he says, each one of us is a part of us, not of it, of the body of Christ. Not some of us or a few, a select few or most, but every Christian is a part of the body of Christ. He also tells us that every single one of us in the body of Christ has been given a spiritual gift, uh, an ability, a talent. Uh, we read about this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And, and if we are followers of Jesus... We are called to use that talent in, for the common good, for the body, in ministry. Every Christian is given a spiritual gift, and every Christian is called to use that gift uh, in, for the common good of the body of Christ. Now, as a Christian, if we hear that calling, but we just turn away and walk away, because we're not willing to give up the things we really love to do it, our time, 
or, or, or our energy, we're not willing to sacrifice ourselves, then we're just like that young man who sadly walked away. In order to truly follow Jesus, the obstacles that stand between us and him must be removed. Now, for the rich young man, Jesus called him, because Jesus could read his heart. Jesus knew what stood, stood between him and, and God. Jesus called him to give what, what he loved more than God, his money. And sadly, this man was not willing to do that. Now, if you and I were to ask Jesus the same question, if we ran up to him and said, said Jesus, what must I do to in inherit eternal life? What would he say to us? You see, I think this, the answer to every single person would be different depending on our loves that we have in our heart. Now, he might say, he might start off with, um, well, you need to do a few things. You need to, uh, it'd be good for you if you went to church pretty regularly. Um, and, and, boy, if he said that to all of us here today, we'd all be going, we're good, we're good, we're here. <laughs> But then, and, 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 and then if we just left it there and walked away, we'd be thinking, man, I'm good, I went to church. <laughs> but then if we asked the second question, and hopefully we all would, what do I still lack, though? Yeah, I can see how going to church is important, but what do I really lack? Then what would Jesus say to you and to me? What would he ask us to give up? What would he ask us to sacrifice to demonstrate that he is our greatest love. That's what he's looking for. If Jesus looked into your heart, what would he see as your greatest love? For this young man, it was money. For you and me, what would Jesus call us to totally give up to follow him? Would it be a relationship that we are constantly putting in front of God, a hobby that we just really love to do and we like to spend as much time as we can with it, um, our, our status at work, you know, we're the cool guy, we're the funny guy at work or at school. What would he call us to move down? And maybe we're, maybe we're not going to get rid of something, but just move it down on our priority. We've talked about this a lot during this series. What would he call us to move down on our priority list, so that our relationship with Christ would be number one. Really number one, not just in word, but in, in practice. Would we need to move our family down a couple of notches? Or our job? Or our TV time that we cherish? Or, or our, our me time? My, my time? You know, this is a question that, that only you and I can answer. And, and, and Jesus would deal with each one of us individually. There's no blanket answer to this because it's, it's your heart he's looking at. Let's continue with the passage here, verse 23. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Yeah, you know, Jesus had just talked about talked talk to a rich man who was trying to enter the kingdom of heaven by following some rules. 
the Old Testament law. And, and using the metaphor of, of the camel going through the eye of a needle, I mean, some people think there's some kind of gate in Jerusalem that was real small, and they called that the eye of the needle. I just heard a uh, uh, Marty Solomon, a, a Jewish scholar that I listened to, say there's, there's no such gate as the eye of a needle. I mean, that, that's a, it's an interesting story. Um, but, but he thinks, and I think, that we're talking about a literal needle and a camel. <laughs> and you, we've probably seen camels either in person or on TV. Try to put a, a camel through the eye of a literal needle. That, that Jesus is using that metaphor to talk about how hard it is for a person to earn their way by doing good things into heaven. In other words, it's impossible. It's impossible for you to be good enough to enter into heaven. Eternal life is not a reward for being good. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well then, well then who can be saved for goodness sakes? Because they, they still had this they were still clinging to this being good idea, too. And now, now they're confused. What, what, what's the point of even trying then? And that is the point. No matter how hard we try, we cannot save ourselves. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Somehow, God, if he wanted to, could make a camel go through the eye of a needle. It would be a miracle, but he could do it if he wanted to. And with God, anything is possible, even our salvation. You see, Jesus did the work of salvation for us on the cross. He did the only thing that could be done to provide salvation for mankind. And all we have to do is put our faith in the one who did the work, our faith in Jesus as our Savior which means making him, and this is, this is the point of this story, making Jesus our greatest love. Which means, as we talked about uh, many times this series, deciding to move all other things that we love. And it's okay to love other things. It's okay to love your family. It's okay to love your job. It's okay to, to love a hobby. It's okay to love yourself. But it means moving all of those things that we love down and making Jesus our number one love. For real, not just in words. And, and, and that may mean getting rid of it, or it may mean just moving it down. Sometimes we can't just move it down. And we've got to remove it from our lives because we would never be able to keep it in our lives and make Jesus number one. So we got to remove it completely. Peter answered him, well, we have left everything to follow you. So I guess he said, uh, maybe he's thinking, I guess we're good then, right? What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, at the removal of all things, renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That's what's in store for you. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last 
and many who are last will be first. See, here's the promise from Jesus. Put me first, I mean really put me first above all other things, and your earthly life will be better, a hundred times better, and you will inherit eternal life. Peter states that, well, we've done that, or we, we, we've tried to anyway. We've given up everything. And they literally had given, the, the disciples had literally given up everything to follow Jesus. They gave up jobs. They gave up their family. They gave up their wealth. You know, everything that the rich young man was not willing to do, the disciples did. And their reward would be eternal life and some special status in heaven with Jesus. And then Jesus tells us all, every one of us, who put our relationship with him above all other things in our life, our houses, our property, our material things, even our family, parents, siblings, spouse, children, grandchildren. If we put Jesus above everything in our lives, we will receive rewards (laughs) that will make everything we hold dear in this life look insignificant compared to that. Put the world last and me first, and you will be first. If we give up everything to follow Jesus, he promises us, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. You know, why do we hesitate to give up everything to follow Jesus? You know, isn't it mostly fear? Fear? You know, how, how can I survive without my stuff? How, how can I survive without my people? How can I survive without my me time? If I put Jesus first above all other things, will I regret it? Will I be sorry? Will I be missing out? Will I be happy if I do that? Isn't that really the reason we hesitate to put Jesus first? Jesus is telling us here, follow me, put me first, and I promise you, your reward will be a hundred times better than anything you could possibly imagine. Trust me. Trust me. And isn't that what Truly following Jesus, faith in Jesus is all about trusting him, trusting his word, trusting his promises. So do you trust Jesus to keep his word? As we talked about, as I've mentioned a couple of times in our study of Matthew, let's honestly, honestly evaluate our priorities And if we see that our relationship with Jesus is not at the very top of our life, maybe because we fear that we'll regret it if we do that, let's just decide, you know what? Jesus, I'm going to trust you on this. I'm going to trust your promise that life will be so much better. For eternity, yes, but even in this life, I'm going to trust you. Let's trust Jesus. Let's put him first, and we will be first. There's nothing to fear. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you so much for this, this story, for this young man's example. Uh, Lord, he, he had a chance. And maybe later in life, we, we, we can hope that maybe he saw the light later and realized that his wealth is, is not more important than a relationship with God. Uh, but Lord, uh, whether he did or didn't, let, let us learn from his example that as, as much as important and as much as we value the things of this life, um, they can't be more important than you. And so help us to figure out and, and honestly evaluate our priorities, our loves, the things we hold dear. And while we, we can certainly still love our family, we can love our jobs, and we can love the, 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 the material things that you give us, help us to to not love them so much that we put them ahead of you. So help us to figure out how to love you the most. Uh, give us guidance in how to do that. Lord, we thank you for this great example and for this great teaching of your son Jesus. In his name, amen.